welcome to the Accelerator Podcast, covering the church and church planning in the South. Accelerator is a resource of the 242 Network, the church planning arm of the Mississippi Baptist Convention. The 242 Network exists to assess, train, and support church planners. In each podcast, we will interview church planners and pastors around the South to gain knowledge and insight into ministry to further God's kingdom and church. And now, with your host, Ryan Tillman, we welcome you to the Accelerator Podcast. Good morning, good evening, or whenever you're tuning in, it's great to have you listen to another episode of the Accelerator Podcast. My name is Brian Tillman, and I'm coming to you from the back 40 of podcast world. It's good to be back. Today's episode here on the Accelerator Podcast, I have an interview with Zach Kilpatrick. Zach's a pastor out of Brookhaven, Mississippi at Mount Zion Baptist Church. He's been there for a little over three years, and on the podcast today, he talks about preaching, and we dive into his favorite genre, that of Old Testament prophecy. Listeners, you can find Zach on iTunes at The Running Pastor. No, he's not running from anything. He just loves to run. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the topics and the content that we're putting out for you, please rate and review us on iTunes. Without any further ado, let's get right into our interview today with Pastor Zach Kilpatrick. So, Zach, thank you for joining us on the Accelerator podcast and appreciate your time with us uh, doing this interview on uh, preaching. Yeah, Brian, I'm excited about it. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I love preaching, so I love to be able to talk about preaching anytime I get a chance and excited to be able to share on a such an amazing podcast, such an amazing host. Come on, quit lying. Uh, let our listeners know where they might be able to find you on some social media platforms. I will also put that in our show description, but uh, you can go ahead and tell them if there is a Twitter or a podcast that you do, Facebook, uh, where could they find you? Yeah, so Facebook, it is just Zach Kilpatrick. Uh, you'll the one that's uh, for Mount Zion, and then uh, on Twitter, bro underscore KP, Um, and then I do have a podcast. It's called The Running Pastor. Um, That's just something that was memorable for the the people at the church I'm serving, and uh, you can find that anywhere. It's Google Play, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all those things, so uh, yeah, and that's just, and it's not an actual podcast. It's just my sermons from Sunday morning, any sermon, Sunday morning sermons from Mount Zion, period. Which are good, um, which is why I'm having you on this uh, podcast uh, here. Well, thank you. So um, I do appreciate uh, you joining us. And uh, you have shared with me, um, as I I sent out some questions to some guys uh, about their favorite genres to preach, and you shared with me your favorite genre to preach is what? As prophecy. Your Uh, favorite genre in scripture to preach is prophecy. And so um, I'm intrigued by that because that is not my favorite genre to preach. And uh, I look forward to our to our conversation. 
So, um, yeah, I can see that. I can tell you another one, a good quote that I, I saw on prophecy is from Martin Luther. Okay. He said, the prophets have an odd way of talking like people who, instead of proceeding in an orderly manner, ramble off from one thing to the next so that you cannot make head or tail of them or see what they are getting at. So if that's the case, I should love prophecy because I just ramble off and I, there's no direction whatsoever that I'm, I'm going, I'm just this direction or that direction. So I should love it. But, uh, think you have the gift of prophecy, Brian. Uh, probably not. I, I <laughs> do not, nor am I the son of a prophet. So, no. uh, with that, uh, let's go, let's get right into, to our questions today. Um, What's your philosophy of preaching and how does it mold or affect individual sermons that you preach? Yeah, so for me, preaching always has to be driven by the text that you're in. Um, I see preaching as, as clearly being the proclamation of God's word to God's people. And, and so that that's going to absolutely drive every sermon that I preach. I want to approach any text as if I've never heard the text and don't know anything about the text. I want to begin by looking at the very basics of it. Who is this written to? Who is this written by? What time period? Get that background and setting. Uh, and then I want to start working through the text. And of course, that looks different depending on what genre you're in. Uh, but I want Every time I explain it to guys in the South, um, much like you would train somebody to shoot a gun, that you want to train them that as they get thing, as they get the, the crosshairs on the target and they get ready and they start to squeeze that trigger that they don't anticipate, because if you anticipate the, the shot, you're going to pull one way or the other, but you want that trigger break when it fires to surprise you. Well, I tell guys that you want the point of a text to be like that trigger break. When you start a sermon, don't think, all right, this is the point and I need to get to this. Say, this is the text and I'm going to study it until I understand what it's trying to show me and let it surprise you when you see the point of that text. Then when you get that, build the sermon to make that point clear. Listeners, you you are hearing breaking news in uh, this podcast. First time we've ever had uh, the example or illustration of how to shoot a gun and the expectations of shooting a gun in th this podcast series. So uh, thank you, Zach, for that. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. <laughs> Get that in while it's still legal, shooting guns. Right? While it's so. still legal uh, in Mississippi, where we where we reside, I believe it will probably remain legal for a little while longer. So we pray so. Yeah, we, we do hope so. Uh, what excites you most about preaching? Really just that that aspect that I was just talking about. So I love to learn um, and I also love to help people learn things that they find difficult. Uh, before I was a pastor, I taught and I taught biology and AMP and, and some upper level sciences. And it was very much the same then. I loved taking something that took me a, a good while to understand and helping people that didn't understand it be able to understand it. And in preaching, I get to do the exact same thing just with a more weighty and more useful uh, subject matter. And so I get to help people understand 
God's word so that they can then apply it clearly to their life. And that's, that's exciting to me. It's something I love to do. I love the practice of preaching. I love studying. I love diving into a text. And then I love uh, whenever you can see people being transformed by God's word. What aspect of the sermon? I, I'm I. Every author has a different way to uh, to get it developing points of a sermon. So uh, I, I'm going to use one of the authors that and one of the professors that I studied under, um, Wayne McDeal, uh, stated it uh, this way: Each point of your sermon preparation you need to be able to explain it illustrate it argue it and apply it and so out of those terms or those aspects of of preparing a point and even delivering that point of the sermon explaining the text illustrating that point arguing that point and applying which one would you say is the hardest for you to do um good question i would say probably illustrating it um simply because it's the one that is uh least natural to me uh, I, I love understanding a point that i talk i love studying and understanding uh, i have a natural propensity to argue for a point uh, for some reason i almost i almost approach preaching a text as if I'm preaching to people that are not going to take my word for it. When I say this is what this means, I approach it as if they are not going to believe me and I need to need to persuade them to believe that this is true. Um, at applying a text is really, it's something that I spend a lot of time on that it feels very natural. I think if you understand what it means, but you don't have the wisdom to apply that, that you've missed out. But sometimes that illustrating it, um, it takes a little bit more work. It's not as natural natural of a thing for me. And so I really have to focus there more than I would say I necessarily have to focus specifically on doing any of those others. Gotcha. In that, do you um, illustrate more, just thinking of, of your preaching uh, on a regular basis, do you illustrate more from outside of God's word or do you illustrate more from a different text in a similar situation and trying to illustrate and show a picture of, of that point that you're trying to make. Yeah, it's almost all, almost always, not completely, but almost always going to be inside God's word. Cause to me, I love to let scripture interpret scripture. Gotcha. And, uh, and so, you know, if there's a, a brief example that I can give, mm -hmm. um, from real life application, I'm gonna give that like this past Sunday, we we're looking at, um, at, we're going through, we just started Acts, So we're in acts one, eight. And as, as I'm talking about the idea of witnessing, I'm trying to get across the idea that that you don't have to understand everything. You just have to understand what you experience. So I gave the, the brief example of, hey, many of you have had knee replacement surgery. Look, you don't know what all they cut and what all they did. You mm -hmm. know that your knee hurt and you went to sleep and woke up and had some physical therapy and it's better. And so, you know, brief examples like that, but anything that's a lengthy um, illustration, I'm going to want to pull from scripture. Okay. Uh, so you've stated that, that you really enjoy or your favorite genre to preach is prophecy. What is your least favorite genre to preach? 
And that's probably a much more difficult question than my favorite genre. That's a and terrible I did, question, actually, isn't it? What, what, what is your least favorite part of God's word to preach? That, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if I were pressed to choose one, um, I might would say wisdom literature. Uh, but again, wisdom literature for me isn't going to be that I don't like it. It's going to be very much like trying to illustrate a point. It's just the one that takes the most amount of words. I'm not real good with poetry in general. And so then when I look at poetry and scripture, again, it just takes a, that much more work for me to understand it, illustrate it, apply it. So probably wisdom if I had to pick one. That's definitely a better way to ask that question. Uh, maybe what's your most difficult genre to preach or prepare to preach? So um, I will uh, try to ask that question to the later interviewees of our preaching genres this season. So thank you for helping me out with that. Yeah, they will appreciate that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely quote you that uh, we'll give you credit for it and, and we'll move on. No, we won't. Um, what is it about prophecy that excites you? What, what is it about those texts that excites you and gets you ready to, uh, to prepare and to deliver those sermons? So two things. Um, the first thing, when you asked me in the text what my favorite genre to preach was, at the time I was teaching a prophetic series. Uh, and so that's why at the time that that was my favorite, because if you ask me today, my favorite is New Testament narrative like we find in Acts, because what I find is wherever I'm studying and preaching, I fall in love with that genre. Uh, but I can tell you something specific to prophecy that do really, really get me excited. And one is kind of going back to that philosophy of, of preaching that I have and what gets me excited about preaching. And prophecy is an area that people find very daunting. Uh, and, and often, especially um, newer church members, uh, lay members that are not that spiritually mature, and they'll just almost skip prophecy because it seems like such a hard thing to understand. And so when I know that there's a, a piece of scripture, a large section of scripture, I mean, the, if you look at the, just the books that we call the major and minor prophets, it covers almost as much literature as the entire New Testament. And so if that large of a section of scripture people are afraid of, and I know that I can spend the time and work and that the Lord will allow me and help me to understand that. And then I can help them mm -hmm. understand it and feel like it's less daunting. And that's a huge thing. to me. I absolutely love that. But I also love that, that in scripture and in prophecy, you know, a lot of time we hear prophecy and we think, all right, so we're talking about predicting the future. But in, in a lot of the prophetic literature, another large section that we see is not that, that foretelling of things that are going to happen, but it's, it's foretelling of and telling things that they need to know right now, things that they need to do. And so we get to see, yes, we get to see prophecy about things in the future that are going to take place. And we get to see those in that foretelling of future events. And then we see them fulfilled oftentimes in the New Testament. And that's absolutely beautiful. Like I love seeing the, the promise to Abraham that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you say, how in the world, how, how can that come true? And then in Matthew 1, 1, that Jesus says, 
given as the son of Abraham. And we see that and it's so tangible and so beautiful. But there's also all this foretelling, which the Miriam Miriam Webster dictionary definition of foretelling is simply to to make something public or to proclaim. So there are a lot of times that God isn't through his prophets telling people what's going to happen in the future. He's telling them things for right now. It's you're not doing this and you need to be doing it, or you're doing this and you need to stop doing it. Uh, It's calling them back to covenant faithfulness. And so in some ways, a lot of prophetic literature is, is similar to an epistle written to the old Testament people. It's God speaking through a messenger to his people about things that they needed to be doing. And so I love that, that you can help people do that. And so then all of a sudden it opens up this whole new area of, of trying to apply things to my life, because now I can see, I can look at the book of Daniel and I can see, all right, when I know the teachings of God, but I'm found in a different place under a government and regime that are not Christian, what should my life look like? Well, man, that's so applicable for our lives today. You know, we're continuing to deal with this sort of thing more and more. And now all of a sudden I can see a very clear picture of what that should look like and how we should do that. So in prophecy, uh, it's a, it seems so daunting, but it's so clear and it's so applicable. And so to help people see that and to help them fall in love with that, uh, it is really exciting for me. Listeners, there were a, a couple of, of uh, nuggets of uh, goodness in that last answer. Uh, let me just uh, state one of those um, when Zach spoke of uh, prophecy as uh, not just foretelling what the future is, but foretelling, thus saith the Lord, God speaking to the individual and the nation or the group of people for action today, um, to do something they weren't doing or to stop doing something that they were doing. Uh, That was good stuff. Thank you for that, Zach. Appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you a, a book that I have that um, that some of that on on the genre came from. It's called "For the Love of God's Word." Um, it's by Kostenberger and Patterson, ah, and okay. uh, it's written not for scholars. It's mm-hmm. a book that he wrote. I think he said that he wrote it to be at the understandable level of a high school senior. Okay. And uh, so I actually bought that. Have used it some and made it available through our church's library. It's it has a ton of useful information on all the different genres. I was uh, talking over you when you first stated it. State the uh, name of the book again and the authors. For the Love of God's Word, uh, Andres Kostenberger and Richard Patterson. All right. Uh, appreciate that as well. Next question. Um, how do you typically map out a text that deals with prophecy and is it done differently in your mind than other genres that you might be preaching through at a, at a different date? Uh, somewhat it, it's going to be, it's going to be different in one and especially if it is looking into the future. So if it's foretelling future events, mm-hmm. then obviously part of it is going to be looking to the fulfillment of that, which is different because a lot of text, I want to know the, the background context setting of that specific text and, and what it's teaching us to do, how we apply that. But obviously if I'm looking at a text that is telling something that is then fulfilled 
in another place, mm-hmm. I need to look at that as well. And so when I'm mapping it out, I do need to understand in prophecy, all those same things. What is the context? Who is this written to? Where were they? What was going on? Um, but I also need to know if this is clearly fulfilled somewhere in the future, in the scriptures, where is that? Mm-hmm. And we're going to need to look at that in the sermon as well. Um, but I think that some things that are, that are missed sometimes that we do, if we're looking at an epistle, if we're looking at one of the gospels, I think that people love to ask the question of why was this text given? What is the main point of that this text is trying to get across to us? And how do you apply that? I think sometimes that's missed in prophecy In prophecy. We spend so much time trying to figure out, all right, who was God talking to? And what was he even saying to them that by the time we get through that, we feel like we've done the sermon work, but the same needs to be done. We need to say, all right, who was God talking to? Where were they? What was, why was this important? But then again, and so what, what is the reason that God would want us to have the scripture as well? Why has he preserved this piece of text throughout all this time so that we would be able to hear it and understand it? How do we apply this? What are the theological things that we can pull from this? And I think sometimes that we can go lighter on that in prophecy than we do in other pieces of scripture. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We've got to come at it from from all those angles and those different questions to uh, try to get that 360 degree look at the text and not just 180 degrees, so to speak. Um, you gave us one tool or one book um any others uh that you use on a regular basis not just for prophecy but but for sermon prep in general yeah so obviously it's it's going to be very useful for any text um, especially for prophecy i would say to have a good critical commentary Mm -hmm. because what you really need that you're probably not going to have, if you're like me, if you're like most guys, I can't just turn to some specific place in Isaiah. I can't just turn to some uh, specific place in Daniel, if I haven't preached that recently, or to one of those minor prophets and know that context. Right? Where are they? What was going on in this period of time in the world? You know, Who were the world's superpowers? And all of those things are going to play into it. Um, so obviously it's helpful there, but it's helpful in, in any, uh, but the one thing I would specifically, um, I would specifically warn guys about is sometimes we can lean on commentaries too much, especially in prophecy. We Mm -hmm. can now, I think it's, I just told you it's needed and, and not to lean on it too much, but I think it's needed to get the, those concrete facts, but sometimes, especially in prophecy, there's such a vast array of understandings of what the text means that we need to make sure that we don't just take one guy's word for it. So use them where they're needed and useful, but don't lean on them too much. So I spend a good bit of time looking at commentaries. Uh, I look at another one tool that I use, because of course I'm also, I'm not the strongest language guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use strong language. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but so I'm, I'm going to spend some time, um, whether it's website, whether it's pulling out the book, but I'm going to look at, uh, you know, some Greek words. I'm going to look at the Hebrew, trying to get the original languages, going to spend time. There's any 
any good pastor is. But one tool that I like to use, not as much in prophecy, but in other places, is just a dictionary. Just a little bit ago, I gave you the uh, the Merriam-Webster uh, definition of something. And I love to, when we're looking at words, just pull out what is the actual definition of this word? What are we talking about? Not just in the Greek, but here today in its transliterated form. What is it? Or where's, what's the etymology of it? So that's probably the only one that I could give that's not going to be a normal tool that everybody uses most weeks in preparation. Um, you you pastor a, uh, a local church. Uh, how many times do you preach to that body uh, different times a week? So normally twice a week. Um, Pre-COVID, it would have been three times, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, we're just doing Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights right now. I'm not sure when or if Sunday nights come back or what they look like when they do so uh, to the entire body twice a week. Twice a week. So in those in those two times of preparation, uh, do you are they about equal in, in amount of time? Are they uh, is there a huge discrepancy between the, the time uh what, what what's your week of prep look like to develop those two messages so for me uh the time is going to be very similar because i specifically follow up on wednesday night with a teaching that is from the sunday morning text and so i start out start out preparing my sunday mornings on monday any week i can and so I usually start out with about a 35 to 40 minute sermon. That's my original manuscript and, and what I've prepared and studied. And then I go through all week and I say, all right, what is what do I have in here that's just interesting to me, but that's not pertinent to the main point of this text? What I have in here that's extra that that's not really necessary. And I try by the end of the week to have made that 35 minute sermon into about a 25 minute sermon that is all toward one point. And okay. then I take some of those things that I pulled out that are ancillary to it, um, and I use that as my Wednesday night teaching. So we're reviewing what we looked at Sunday morning, and we're also going a little bit deeper and adding a little bit more to it. So for me, I make it specifically so that those two are very equal, because anything I'm studying for Sunday morning is going to be pulled into Wednesday night as well. So it's cheating a little bit, but I, I, I spend the same amount of time on both. That's not, it's not cheating. It's, it's using uh, your time wisely and, uh, and recouping, so to speak, some of the time, right? Absolutely. Uh, do you have any peer-to-peer uh, -peer or other constructive growth items uh, you've been a part of to enhance your sermon prep or your sermon delivery outside of seminary? Not on a regular basis. Um, I was planning to go to Simeon's Trust just recently before it was canceled for this year. Looking forward to that next year. Um, mm -hmm. Would like to take something of that nature. I've actually had some conversations with the local pastor about doing this where uh, we have about four or five guys in the group. And each week we all listen to one of the guys' sermons. So you wouldn't have somebody listen to your sermon every week. Yep. But you would listen to somebody's sermon every week, and every fourth or fifth week, you would have four guys listening to your sermon and providing feedback. Cool. Um, and then in my church specifically, I have some guys that are somewhat functional elders. We don't have a recognized plurality of elder leadership, but mm -hmm. I have some guys that I think meet the criteria. 
Yep. And I try to meet with them during the week on Wednesday. So they know what text I'm going to preach this Sunday. I ask them to study it Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesdays. We meet and just go through that text together. And there are often things that they will bring out um, that I have not noticed or did not stand out to me. And that, that gives some, some good context uh, to seeing the text, especially in application points, seeing how this would apply in areas of the congregation life that I may have missed. And, and I do always uh, make sure and give credit to those guys when those things come up in a sermon as well. I was, I was about to ask you, do you give, it, do you give them credit or do you just take that credit? Uh, yeah, they try, not, they try to get me not to do that. But I'll say, hey, hey Don pointed this out this week. And, uh, yeah, I make sure that the people know that, uh, that I'm not going at this alone. So that formal – is that, that a formal time like on Wednesdays? And how long does that time usually last if it is formal or is it kind of informal? Yeah, it's formal. We, we plan that meeting, and I'd say 45 minutes to an hour. It's not a real long session. Of course, those guys are busy. They have a lot of things to do, and so we've just found the time that works for all of us. Um, sometimes it ends up needing to be over lunch, but a time that we can meet and go through that text together. Cool. Um, so one more question before we get to my favorite uh, segment of the podcast is this. When you are laying out your calendar for the year, preaching or quarter uh, of, the, of the year, um, what is your process of, of preaching? I know that you are an expository preacher and you're going to preach through books or, or breaking those books up into different series. Um, how do you, how do you balance old Testament and new Testament and how do you, uh, bring that out in, in a calendar preparing and just planning your sermons out? Usually I try to go back and forth between them. I try and make sure, cause I do plan at least a quarter, if not half the year at the time. Okay. And I also, so I don't stay in long books until I'm finished with the books. Like I say, we just started the book of Acts. We will not be in Acts on Sunday mornings for the next five years or whatever. Uh, we will go through a major section of Acts where we'll go maybe Acts one through eight. Uh, and then we will take a break. And when we take a break from there, uh, unless there's some pressing reason not to, I will go to an Old Testament book. Okay. And I'll try to make sure in doing that as well that I will mix up what genre that we'll go to. So uh, in the last couple of years, we looked at a, a good chunk of the beginning of Genesis. We've been through the entire book of Daniel, mm -hmm. and we spent some time in the Psalms. I spend some time in the Psalms at least two or three weeks every November. Uh, and part of that's what we talked about earlier. I know I need to do that, so I make that a staple. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've also done 1st, 2nd, 3rd John part of Matthew and we're in Acts. And so I really try and make sure that I'm balancing New Testament, Old Testament, as well as narrative, wisdom, um, and epistles. So uh, not just the same genre in Old Testament, New Testament, but really trying to make sure that we cover all those bases. Awesome. Good stuff. Appreciate uh, the insight into, uh, into those questions. Before we get you out of here, it's a segment of the podcast I call The Faves. Uh, your favorites, and um, just five or six, seven questions, kind of rapid fire, just so our listeners can get to know the uh, a different side of Zach Kilpatrick. All right. So, okay. 
first question under the faves. Outside of the Bible, what's your favorite book or what's the most meaningful book that you've read in the last two or three years? The Dictionary. The Dictionary. You are Is that okay? Dude, yeah, that's fun stuff. All right. Maybe we'll just go ahead and get you out of here. Um, well, you, you're no, most no, no. useful. Um, yeah, it's useful. Um, what's your favorite book in the Bible? I know the preacher answer, whatever book you're preaching through or reading right now. Uh, I'd say Matthew. Matthew is your favorite. Awesome. Mm. Uh, what's your favorite sports team? The Falcons. Atlanta Falcons? That's the one and only, brother. The one and only. Uh, what's your favorite movie? I'm going to go with the uh, series, Mission Impossible series. Really enjoy all of those. Yeah. Like that Scientology guy, huh? Uh, I didn't say anything about him. It's the movies themselves. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite breakfast food to eat? I don't eat breakfast. So, uh, I mean, I do like pancakes. I'll eat them for supper. That's a breakfast food, but I, I have not eaten breakfast in over two years. What's your favorite exercise, Zach? Love running. Thank you for trying your best to uh, pull this section of the podcast out of the muck and mire that it was in. You like to run. What's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Mm, probably I'm going to Sports Center. Does that count as a TV show? It does. You watch it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Two more fave questions. Favorite family vacation spot? I love the beach. Orange Beach, that area. We go annually, and the uh, kids love it, and I love it. There we go. Um, last, and my wife loves it. Last one. Um, if there is – you've got one day to do whatever Zach Kilpatrick wants to do. What is the activity? What are we doing? It can be anywhere – what are you doing for a day? One day, anything I want, I'd be with my family uh, at the beach, building sandcastles, swimming at the pool, hanging out. That would be that would be a wonderful, exciting day for me. Awesome. Tell us about your family. All right. So my wife Amanda, we've been married twelve years. Uh, she is a wonderful pastor's wife. Uh, supportive of my ministry and helpful in many, many other ways. We have four kids Come on. Uh, in order from oldest to youngest, Chip, Addie, Chase, and Jet. They are eight, six, four, and two. So the three boys and, uh, and the one princess. And the first two were really well-behaved kids. Chase came along number three, and I say he is the one that keeps me from ever saying my kids wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on. Don't we love those kids? Absolutely. Yeah. Zach, I appreciate your time and your uh, insight uh, to our um, podcast today, speaking about genres and preaching, specifically that of uh, prophecy. And uh, all our listeners, please follow Zach on uh, social media. Go listen to his podcast. Listen to those insights that he spoke of um, in that uh, running pastor podcast or sermons that he does for Mount Zion. Appreciate it, Zach. Thank you, Ryan. Have a good one, brother. Talk to you later.
We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. For more information on church planning, visit the 242 Network on the web at 242network.com.